Welcome to Soundcheck Flicks. We are here to discuss a film called Angel Heart, 1987. It came out March 6th, directed by Alan Parker, starring Mickey Rourke, Robert De Niro, and Lisa Bonet. Uh, Graham's here, and we have Paul Jenkins of Three Mile Pilot, The Black Harper Session, and Mr. Tube and the Flying Objects. Welcome to the program. Yo, what's up? Nice to How have you, you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've this been on fun. a bunch of podcasts in your in your I've lifetime. I've done a f- uh, some, yeah. Okay, not a bunch. I don't know what a bunch is, but yeah, yeah. good. Podcasts about. are pretty big now, you know. <laughs> Have you ever been on a podcast discussing uh, playing the saw? Playing the saw specifically, yeah, like yes, just I have. That. Only for that reason? Yeah. No, I'm not only yeah. for that reason. But I've talked about playing the saw. Yeah, I've never been on a podcast about movies, so that's cool. How many times have you seen Spinal Tap? Jeez. <laughs> Being that you're a musician and I in mean, a band. That would have to be like probably close to 50. Oh, you know, because right. it's one of those movies that you just watch with your friends. You have it on in the background or, you know, you remem- remember something about it and go watch a scene because there's fun- so many funny scenes. Have you had any similar experiences? Oh, hell yeah. Going down hallways getting to never lost. find the stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting <laughs> Having lost. Having your but... band's name underneath something else. Yeah. Like yeah. second billing. Fashion show. Ordering or something and show. you get the wrong size. Like ordering a batch of shirts and they're all like kids shirts or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just celebrated here at the Casbah with uh, your band, Three Mile Pilot. Uh, amazing to uh, to share those experiences with people again. And yeah. What does the Casbah mean to you? Um, Man, the Casbah is... Friends, friends, long-standing relationships, um, and to me, my definition of friends are people that I could trust and know. And yeah, there's like a family feeling here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, definitely. And uh, so many memories. I mean, we played shows back when the Casbah was down the street at the first location. You know, I used to go see Tim's shows when he'd put them on at different places around town back in the day when I was like 15 years old going to punk shows. Yeah. So when he opened a club and my band was going, of course, we wanted to play there. And, you know, Tim supported us early on. And, you know, God, we've been friends for 40 years or something. Crazy. I don't even know. <laughs> like we're at the 35 year anniversary. Does that is 35 years even from the first sure. location. Yeah, so, you know, I knew Tim a little bit before that or right around that time. Did you go to the Pink Panther? Or were you not no, old No, that was a little before my time. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe caught the tail end of that. I don't know what the transition point was there. If there was some time off in between. Very but, little. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember visiting that bar when it was still whatever yeah. it was Yeah. Now, prior. is that the High Dive or is that another place? Uh, High Dive was, it's next, it's like a... A woodworking shop now, I think, oh, or something okay, yeah. like that. So yeah, I never went there, but I've heard I've heard of it. I found a great article in the L.A. Times uh, from back in the day talking about the demise and the and the opening of. But they Casbah. didn't have bands there, did they? Uh, uh-uh, not no, really. I think on the last bar. night they did. It was just a bar, but everybody yeah. went there. I mean, Mike Ness, John Lydon. Uh, I mean, it was definitely a, a place to a go place, if yeah. you were. I live over right near there. I know you do. Huh? Yeah. Well, we got this movie. This movie is is crazy. I. I do remember some of the the kind of the drama behind it back then with the rating of the film, but honestly, I didn't see it, the film until yesterday, <laughs> and it's ridiculous and it's creepy as fuck. And um, yeah, the the orgy scene and Lisa Bonet and the blood. I mean, I don't know. I'm just going right there to the 
it has scene all the that things, stands out the most. But has all the things I love in a movie. Yeah, blood orgies. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and a twist ending. I guess not just oh, sort of sure. a sleepaway camp in a way. No, no, ending. no. Six Sense. We, we would compare okay. more to that. Yeah, okay, I'm assuming uh, we said we can ruin films oh, for everybody on this podcast, right? Uh, but where did you see the film first? You know, I cannot remember the very first time I saw it, to be honest, because I've watched it a lot of times. But, um, yeah, I just really loved the mystery of it. I love movies like that that leave you guessing the whole time. And I think that's really what, what appeals to me about that. And it's filmed in New Orleans and New York and has this old kind of detective feel to it. I just, there's a lot about that movie. It kind of covers a lot of bases because you got like, there's almost a horror voodoo kind of vibe to it. You got suspense and mystery. Um, yeah. And, and, and then it's funny and it's serious. It's a little campy at moments. Um, so it kind of covers a lot. I feel in that whole movie that, so it may, for me, it makes a really good, uh, watching and listening experience and Mickey Rourke's just great. And I mean, that's a stellar performance for him for sure. It's great to see him on screen looking like that. Yeah. <laughs> which is like a lifetime ago for him now, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, the cinematography yeah, in it not, is he's ridiculous. definitely changed quite, immensely. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the cinematography in the film is uh, yeah. something I really enjoyed. The framing and the shadows, kind of like a, you know. Yeah, very like creepy, eerie with the fan. The fan is always I was, there. I was really curious about the, the reoccurring fan like what that was supposed I, to represent. I wish I had an what, answer for you, but I wasn't able to figure that out. So <laughs> I was hoping I was maybe reading, you would know. And they, when, when Lucifer, Lewis Cipher, uh, refers to Winesap he, that he's dead. Right. There's a scene, I guess, a deleted scene where he gets decapitated by a fan. By a fan. So I don't know if it's like foreshadowing for that, and then they don't even have the scene in the movie. I'm thinking of fans also now, and uh, thinking of a good movie that had a similar thing, which is um, Apocalypse Now, which I could have easily picked that one too. Yeah, Maybe yeah. somebody else has. Oh, yes. We did already do it. You yeah. did do it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So in, I don't know if you touched on this, but in the opening scenes where he's in the room, there's that fan turning and then the fan turns into the helicopter. But not that that has anything to do with uh, Angel Heart, but you know, I think that imagery of a fan in a room, it kind of gives you an idea of like the, the, you know, that it's New Orleans kind of temperature. It kind of sets a mood, you know, sure, too, sure. as well. So, yeah. and then they break, I, they must've like filmed a fan. They were like, let's bring that fan back in again. Cause they show it like, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And what message am I supposed to be getting from this fan? That's all I wanted to know. Are because a it's like a crossroads movie. I mean, oh, this guy is sure. sold yeah. his soul to the devil yeah. to be a, a crooner, not a rock star, but yeah. to right. be a crooner. I know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> And, then and then, I love that scene too, where he has the little nose shield on his <laughs> face. Yeah. That's so good. That yeah. is very. I've never really seen Gazelle that. I'm surprised and, that's not more of a thing. I'd rather wear that than put zinc on my nose. If I yeah. Glasses yeah. Nose shield, man. <laughs> nose shield. Million dollar industry. Is that where the jerk gets his idea? No. <laughs> the opti grab. The mm. opti grab. Mm. Do you have a love for New Orleans? Is that part of this movie? No, like, I hate New Orleans, yeah. actually. No, no. <laughs> I like watching it on film. I think the architecture is cool, the French kind of vibe. But when I go to there, I'm like, no way could yeah. I live here. It's, it's just too, too muggy, too dirty. <laughs> you know, I'm not into the Bourbon Street vibe. Yeah. You know, like kind of just, you know, when I walk on Bourbon Street, I'm like, 
I feel like I'm down in the gas lamp quarter on the on a Saturday night. I'm like, I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Yeah. This is not my vibe. But I, I know it has a lot of history and there's a lot of cool things about it. So I'm not dissing on it. And I have good friends who live there, but I could never live there. Yeah. <laughs> have you played there? Oh, yeah. Many times? Yeah, yeah. many times. Seems yeah. like Mr. Tube would go over pretty big in New Orleans. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I've never played there with Mr. Tube. Maybe not that I can remember. No, I don't think we ever have. But yeah, Blackheart and Three Mile Pilot did. Yeah. No. So, so essentially, this story is Johnny Favorite is a singer who sells his soul to the devil for fame, and then he wants to get out of the contract, his Faustian deal. So he thinks he's going to bring in a body double. Right. So he feels like if he consumes another person's soul that he can hide behind that when the devil comes to collect, essentially. I think that's what he's trying to do. Right. And so, so they have to cut the heart out of him. And, and Yeah, and eat it. Yeah. And so that happens. Uh, the these father-daughter, along with Toot Sweet, a blues musician, they procure along, a young man. Yes, exactly. To help out Johnny Favorite. One, once he does that, he doesn't know it's his past, so he doesn't really know that that's something he's done. He thinks he's... Johnny Angel. Yeah. Once he consumes the heart. Yeah, he thinks heart. he's a And because New York they detective. let him go when he was disfigured, they don't really know what he looks like. Right. Right. And the but they said he had had some structure stuff done. So I think maybe that's where the nose thing might come in as he's trying to keep anything from possibly melting or, you know, whatever. <laughs> There's a theory about that I read online. Really? That, that okay. I never what, thought of that. It might have been what the nose shield was for us because they said he'd had facial surgery and reconstruction. He didn't look the same. I have a feeling I'm going to be going back and watching this movie yeah. very soon <laughs> after this conversation. And that's why he didn't appear the same to some of the people, you know, that had new Johnny favorite that they didn't recognize him right away. Right. You know, okay. Including the uh, Margaret Cruzmark is the one he cuts the uh, later cuts the heart out of. Right. But he had been having an affair with her, apparently, or something back there. Johnny Favorite had been. Yeah. But there's a point where he come when he comes to visit her in New Orleans, and she says in French to her maid, like her friend, or her maid says, should I get the cups or the good cups? And she looks over at him and says, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, she, I, but by the end of it, the, the, their meeting wraps up kind of quick, and I, maybe she's catching on that this is actually him. Like it yeah, seems she like she rushes him out of the house towards the end of that scene. Yeah, she definitely doesn't like his questions. Yeah, yeah. once he starts asking the questions, she gets unnerved, and it, you're almost like she sort of figured it out, I think, that he might be Johnny Favorite. Yeah. But then he goes and meets up with Lisa Bonet, who at that moment in Hollywood is Cosby show, Denise. Right. She's 18 years old when she gets cast for Angel Heart. It's a big deal at the time. Because going into it, there's a lot of sex uh, talk of the sex scene that's going to occur with her and Mickey Rourke. And they film it, and it gets an X rating. Is it X rated? They got X rating on it. Not yeah. anymore, though. Now they just call it unrated. Ah, yes. <laughs> but at the time, the MPAA slapped it with the X rating and said, you've got to cut 10 seconds out of that scene. Right. Um, man, that scene is... Just rewatching it again the last couple of days, I'm like, holy shit. I just watched something on Saturday Night Fever, switching to other movies, but I didn't know that one was so such a big deal back when it came out because all the profanity. People uh -huh. were making a huge deal about that movie, and they even made a PG kind of like uh -huh. more mellowed out version. I used to play the PG in my video store back in the 90s because yeah. I couldn't play the R one because you're right. 
it was very profane. And Tony and his guys are straight up dicks. Yeah. I mean, they they do that date rape scene. Yeah. They're all getting on Donna Pescow in the back of the car and taking turns. And I'm like, these guys are trash. Like, (laughs) yeah, they were talking about that scene in this documentary that I was watching last night, funny enough. Um, And they were all, they almost didn't even like the cast were like, this is just too much. You know, this is our friend. She's a friend of theirs in the movie. So they do this to their own friend. Mm -hmm. So it's a really like, yeah, I didn't, I had no idea that that movie was so. Yeah. The PG version is much softer. You can play it during the day on TBS and shit, but that R version, it's pretty tough. I mean, it changes a lot. I've never seen a movie's cut change. It's the tone of it so drastically as that. Yeah. That movie had a lot of. Uh, drama and everything going mm-hmm. on. If you've, I don't know if you've I seen. I love it. Yeah, yeah if you've I've seen, seen documentaries of, of that, like it was funded by one guy and then brought other people in. People fired this and that. Um, BGs were managed managed by the same guy who funded it, and that's how the BGs got into it. But we're talking about Angel Heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and any films come around at that time? I mean, the controversy of uh, of of that. Scene. It was I mean, just, Lisa it really, Bonet, did it help her career or did it ruin her career? Well, I mean, it was her first feature film role, so a lot of people say it ruined because she never really took off in film. I don't see how that could really ruin her career, but maybe. That seems, I mean. Times are just different, People could point at that. I mean, there's definitely the fuel for it because she never really did any other big movies. Now, she stayed on The Cosby Show and she got her own spinoff show, Different World. Yeah. But after that, I mean... You know, she what never, other big movies do? she hasn't had a lot of she's mostly been known the last twenty years for being Jason Momoa's wife. Lenny Kravitz first. Then yeah, Momoa. yeah, exactly. Marrying those two guys. And, and now getting a divorce from Momoa. Yeah. And <laughs> she's more famous. For, she has, she some, does kid. have some kids, yeah. yeah. But that's uh kind of this Zoe Kravitz, I believe. I really, child. I, I really love that scene where Lenny Kravitz does that stage move in his pants rip. Remember that one? <laughs> that was brilliant. So if she can have any credit to that, you know, I think she's been working hard. Well, yeah, their kid is doing very well in, in acting. Yeah. Oh, really? So he's doing great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I think she's yes. with Channing Tatum now. That's Yeah, yeah that's kind of crazy because I always figured her career was just going along. I, I didn't think there was anything it, stopping it. No, it kind of did fizzle yeah. out. And but she now just, that you're saying that, yeah, it makes sense. You know, But she really was at that moment in like the pop culture zeitgeist of the mid-80s. She was a total it girl because the Cosby show was the number one show on TV. But to go from I mean, the, family, the most family show, one of the most family-oriented shows... Well, let's not talk about Mr. Cosby's well, I mean, imagine dabblings. five years earlier when Happy Days was the top show on TV. If, like, Aaron Moran had done some sex scene in some movie and we would have been like, what oh, was the no. Girl, like, what was the girl from Different Strokes? That's a really sad story. She, Oh, Dana Plato. Yeah. She, yeah. she, she went down a, a bad spiral. I mean, there's a lot of things that probably can derail your career. So I imagine maybe doing that movie could be one, but it could be your management. It could be oh, just absolutely. weird choices. Yeah. It could be your own personality and how you choose to deal with people. Yeah. Sure. You know, uh, life stuff, you know, so. Well, she was fabulous in this movie. For She's sure. a beautiful woman. She definitely uh, commands the screen. And it is that scene in particular that is now available to, to be seen on and any edition you watch is 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 brutal. Super I was trying graphic. to picture who are all the people in the orgy. That part goes by kind of quickly, but it's just a writhing group of people going at it like oh, what the hell 1987 okay for me it was the blood <laughs> yeah. there was yeah. so much blood 
And I don't even know if the 10 seconds I saw was in that version or not. I assume it's restored, but it seemed to go on forever. Like. So that's the thing, too, that if anybody's listening that hasn't seen the movie, it, they he goes about this investigation and every person he talks to ends up getting killed or not every, but most of the most people, of them, most of them end up getting killed. But then it's also like it comes back to where where you realize or, or he realizes that he did it that he was the one who actually killed them or yeah. but that's the part that's a good conversation do you think he actually they're saying he he actually did and somehow just couldn't remember that he was the one who right he was so or do you think they did it and or did and, lewis cypher do it or, no, yeah well or okay so or whatever so i so we remember we've got two souls in one body right exactly so i'm thinking we have a, a split personality situation here where Johnny Angel comes to do the questioning, but at some point during the interview, it flips, and uh, the other Johnny, guy takes Johnny over. Favorite Johnny favorite want, shows want to be up. Found. Absolutely, and he takes care of business in multiple ways, whether it's drowning someone in gumbo or cutting out a heart or you know whatever, uh, cutting off his dick and shoving it in his mouth. I think that's how Toot yeah, Sweet got killed. Yeah, because I mean, Louis Cipher, why would he kill these other people other than just because they're to mess with his head. Yeah. Right? He doesn't have a real reason to, where yeah. Johnny Favorite would have a reason he to. He would definitely have a reason to. Yeah. So I feel like his that other soul inside his body would take over at moments, and then it would return, and, and Johnny Angel wouldn't remember what had happened, and he'd yeah. see the body and be yeah. like, oh my God, what just happened when I was out of the room or whatever. Right. Or the first guy, he locks in his room, so the doctor, so he can't use the morphine addiction that he has. And he returns the next morning and finds him dead with a Bible and his wife's photo on his chest. And he probably shot him overnight. I mean, you, well, it's left as like he committed suicide. But yeah. Right. We can also assume he might have just, he knew the gun was in the drawer there. He might have just shot him himself and left him there looking that way. But yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I think it's, I think it's the two souls in the body thing. Now, now the one that I, I don't think he did was the Lisa Bonet one at the end. I think that's Cypher. I, like just a revenge, like... Well, I mean, he does have sex with his own daughter. Like, I mean, let's... Right, right. I mean, that's least, the thing, too. They, yeah. It's his Cypher own daughter. Cypher is supposedly then the father of the child. Yes. Um, so he's the one that gave her the best sex she'd ever had. The devil. No, not Louis Cypher. No. Oh, it was him. Yeah. That's, it, it, Harold, Harold Angel. Yeah, it was Harry Angel. Yeah, but the baby... Oh, the baby is, the, is, is supposed to be possibly the yeah. devils, as we see oh, with right, yeah. as we see oh, with the yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah that's the end. part I didn't like. Why did you cut at the end? Why did you put the only time they put red in his eyes? I think is when they show Robert De Niro, uh -huh. and then the baby. Right. I think they could have gone without that. You didn't need to put the red in the eyes. Yeah. They kind of looked a little like should have had like a forked tongue come out of that <laughs> yeah, mouth. Yeah, it just didn't need it. I didn't think that you needed to make the eyes red on, or, on either of those. You had to know it was the devil's child. It was, it was Damien. What, it was too much, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> well, he had also but left. But the orgy in the sex scene wasn't too much nah, for you? not at all. Not well, at all. He yeah. left the gun there, and he left Harry Angel's dog tags there, so he totally set him up. Like, you know, I love when he finds the dog tags finally in that little vase because that's the moment. Yeah, that's the moment. That's the sixth sense moment where everything and starts him up earlier and, and shook it. But yeah, he doesn't look. But he didn't look in it. And then the tap dancing, too, and the way it'll stop. Like yeah. really good, like choice of like tap dancing and then stop. Yeah. Why did that tap dancing stop like that? And it's like creepy. Yeah. You know, I like those things that they had those tropes that, you know, sixth sense was 
12 years later and you know the fact that he was dead all along like just blew people's minds i mean here's angel heart playing with that 12 yeah. years earlier yeah. and huh? and the thing about having sex with your daughter you know old boy did that some years later and everybody's like i love old boy because it's got this fucked up scene where he fucks his daughter and i'm just like well, angel heart did that too and much more graphically and <laughs> memento, i don't like chickens <laughs> I don't like <laughs> memento was inspired by this film as well yeah, too. chris nolan apparently. Oh, yeah, memento is a great movie yeah I so that one something I wanted to bring up was the soundtrack to this, you know, yes. talking about tap dancing. Yeah. So who did, so who did the soundtrack to Angel Heart? I never really paid attention. So Trevor Jones is the composer that's credited with doing a lot of it. I guess he asked Daniel Morricone and he turned him down, okay. which we all know would have been incredible because right. he's just a genius. I think Trevor Jones does a great job. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's blending like blues and jazz and then mm -hmm. there's just this, Cajun style music at times too. It feels like. And well, the scene with Lisa Bonet being taken over and the, yeah. the chicken dance with that you tribal that, feeling and her thing. And I was just like, yeah, there's that's great like stuff, real. Yeah. That stuff still happens. You know, one of my favorite soundtracks is No Country for Old Men. Yeah. You know why? Why is that? There is no soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch that movie, there is no soundtrack. They decided to release that movie with no no soundtrack. There is a moments where you're in a bar and there's something playing sure. in the background. I think when he's walking through TJ or something, but there's no, nobody did the soundtrack to that movie. And I was always like, I never realized that. And I'd watched the movie already a few times, but it didn't need it. Just yeah. the sound of like wind or whatever was going on yeah. that made that movie so stark. You yeah. Know? Have eerie. you ever matched up the Wizard of Oz with the dark side of the moon? I thought it was Pink Floyd of the... You're right. I always assumed it was the wall. Not always, but I, it was confusing thinking it was the wall. But you're right. It's Dark Side of the Room. And, uh, That's the same director. Did you say that? What's that? What film were we talking about? Oh, Alan Parker. Oh, that was The Wall. He did that The Wall. Oh, he did The Wall. Not Dark yeah, Side he did The Wall. Right. Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon was with Wizard Oz that we were talking about with Tim that he did the other day. Um, but The Wall... Uh, yeah, same, same... What other films did he direct? Director Alan Parker. Yeah, he was... Uh, he started out with Bugsy Malone, which was a funny kind of kid musical with like Scott Baio and one of Jodie Foster's pre-Taxi Driver films when she was I real young. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it's super cheesy. I used to play in the store back in the day. But um, he also did Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, Fame. Which is great. Fame. Pink Floyd's The Wall is really good. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, Fame, Midnight Ooh. Express. Oh. Um, Mississippi Burning, which okay. I just absolutely yeah. love. One of the best civil rights, just classic films. The Commitments. Yeah. The Great Soul Irish film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Band. yeah. Another great band movie. Yeah. Like, What's the song they just played relentlessly in that loose uh, uh, Ride, Sally Ride, was it? Or I something so. like that? Yeah, yeah no, I think right. so. Yeah, was. Really started to hate that song. <laughs> and then he, uh, you know, later on he did Evita. He got it. He came. He became a Madonna guy and he did some of her videos and did Evita with her. And I'm sure that oh. was quite the experience. Yeah. Papa don't preach, maybe. <laughs> but he was a, <laughs> you know, he was a prolific guy, and he was having his moment right then, like with Angel Heart and Mississippi Burning and Commitments, kind of all within a few years of each other. I mean, he just was Angel Heart one of his early ones. Then uh, no, it was more. He was probably right the... twelve, thirteen years in. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, but uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall was more towards the first five years or so of his career. So that was. Oh, so Pink Floyd was before Angel Heart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. About five years before yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Great soundtrack. Great movie. For Which sure. Which one are we talking about now? Both. <laughs> Why not? You've talked about a few movies tonight. Are, are you on any soundtracks? Uh, yeah. I mean, they've used our our music in some films. Uh, like 
I think it was like that happiness movie or whatever. Or... Oh, get out of here. Uh, no, was it happiness? What was that one called? Yeah. Was it? Not happiness. What's that called? Anyways, yeah, I, it's funny. I don't know these things better about my own music, but um, yeah, we've ended up in a few movies. I've done some soundtrack work for people a little bit. Um, You're in I, It's Gonna Blow. Yeah, It's Gonna Blow. But um, <laughs> yeah, we did we did a few things like that over the years. You know, they come up every now and then. We've ended up in some video games. Oh, cool. Things like that. Like uh, one that's, you know, I'm not, I don't know all the video games, but um Infamous, Infamous Two, video game okay. by Sony. You know, nice. hey, can we use the write this song? They pay you twelve thousand bucks. We're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> shit. They wanted like full rights so they could remix it and stuff like that. Like we sent them our mix, but then they want all the stems. Right, and they right. Re remix it for oh. the video game. You know, yeah. I mean, it turned out cool in the end, but it's like you have to give up. You know, when you're working with a company like that, you do your part and then they want all the separated tracks. Right, right. So their guys can go in manipulate there and it. manipulate it there. You know, they they kind of uh, toned it down a little, I, I feel. But, you know, it's still a decent mix. Yeah. There's been talk of a remake, you know, in the last 15 years. I'm so happy it has not have happened. For yeah. which one? For Angel Heart. Oh, really? Yeah, somebody got a hold of the property and the book and whatnot, and there was talk that there was going to be one, and then it just fizzled out. And I'm actually glad I don't yeah. want to see that. I mean, everything's available. Can't people just go back and like watch these movies that are classic that yeah aren't to be ruined? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you're doing like part two or something like yeah. that, but when you go back and remake something, you're really especially something that was already good. Yeah. You're like you're like skating on thin ice there with people, you know. That's a daring proposition, you know. But yeah, like we were talking about, I don't know if you guys were around, but we were talking about Blade Runner because you mm -hmm. guys have recently done that one because that was one of my first picks. Twenty forty nine, I feel is great. Yeah, I love. I really love that. Mm -hmm. I, I think they did a great job. I was really worried because Gerald Leto was in it and. I just was like, okay, what's this going to be? What kind of movie is this going to be? But he actually did a really good job. Yeah. You know? Um, I love Dave Bautista. Yeah. He's only in the little first part, but still great. Yeah. I, I thought the Hans cinema. soundtrack. Fuck oh. yeah. I love that soundtrack. That so honestly good. is one of my favorite. Those both Blade Runners are some of my favorite movie soundtracks. You love Ryan Gosling. Come on. Yeah. You have your bathroom all He was fine. You him. know, I don't really know a whole hell of a lot of him, but I did trick my wife one time. Me and my neighbor were down at uh, Harlan Brewing near our house having a beer, and the our wives were up at their house having wine in the background and, or in the backyard. <clears throat> and we're so... I don't know how we came up with this idea, but we're like, hey, we're down here at Harlan Brewing, and you'll never guess who's here. Ryan Gosling's here. <laughs> They just like freak the fuck out. They start getting ready. We're gonna come right down now. We're coming. <laughs> we had them going. We're like, yeah, we're looking. We sent a photo of the back of some guy's head <laughs> that looked kind of like him. They just we're, wanted to be in his presence. Yeah, they were like flipping out. <laughs> oh my god, it was so freaking. We had to just tell them before they like got too ready and came down. We're like, we're just kidding. We're, they were so mad at us. Did you go to Barbie with your wife? I did see that movie, and, and I don't believe the hype at all. Like, I'm not into that movie. Sorry, that's a shitty movie. Like, I, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what. It was really, my number one movie of the year. Really? We did I'm our sorry, year dude. I don't like that. Nothing personal, man. But I just don't 
think it really like it didn't translate for me and and this you know whatever uh, tough guy not for everybody i'm in the black heart procession you're man in, i'm not into, into angel in the, heart man i'm into angel heart i'm not into like your version of barbie is her you know having blood sex at the way, end of it way right? too much pink for me <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i mean it was fun my brother loved it and sent us tickets for it and uh insisted that i take my mom so we went <laughs> And you didn't like the pavement joke just for that alone? I don't even remember the pavement joke. There's a <laughs> Stephen Malcolm's joke in there, and it just gets dropped by one of the characters. Once the patriarchy the... takes over near the end, there's some yeah. Zack Snyder jokes and pavement jokes. The and... pavement joke is genius. It's, yeah. And there's a, what, a Lou Reed? Yeah. Lou Reed Velvet Underground joke. Yeah. Just... By those points, I was already like count, <laughs> looking at my out. watch. Like, when the concession I... stand. <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back, Aww. you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought there was a lot of hype about it, but that's cool. People like movie, like it, enjoy it. I, I kind of, I'm like, I don't, I'm not an all a movie stop, snob and I don't know a lot. It's just if I like, for movies, it's like, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. I'm kind of like that with music a bit. Yeah. I think I'm a little even more forgiving with music than I am with, because with music, I can be like, oh, that's a good drummer or that's this. But a movie, if the movie sucks I, or, to me, um, I, I just can't get into it. I can't soak into it. Yeah. But a band, I can go see a live band and appreciate like what the, people are doing on stage, you know, and support that where I'm not in the movie world. So it's just either I like it or I don't. Sure. Yeah. And you don't like Barbie. I did not like Barbie. No. <laughs> Duly noted. Did you see Oppenheimer? Uh, yeah, I no, I did not watch it yet. I've seen a lot of documentaries on that time. I'm, I like documentaries a lot, but no, I haven't watched the movie yet. Me either. Yeah. It's a little darker than Barbie. Yeah. Just so you know, I probably would like it more. I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, this movie was, uh, was surreal and and unique and and oh, and also one of the things that was so unfortunate about it, you know, what was released on the exact same day, March 6, nineteen eighty-seven, Lethal Weapon. Oh <laughs> wow! As Angel Heart. It, yeah, they were both released on the very same Friday. And you talk about getting stepped on, like the greatest cop buddy movie of all time comes out the same day as Angel Heart. So. Yeah. Quickly touching on something that we were kind of talking about, likey movies, nom, what people like. The Whale. I I was ready to like that. The Fraser one. Yeah. Brenda Fraser. And I didn't like it. I like the more like him kind of resurrecting his career yes. and kind of that. I'm all for that. But I wasn't really like as floored by it as everybody else. I either. think we're in the same boat on it. Yeah. I, I was drawn in because of Darren Aronofsky, the director. And then I like the story that Brandon Fraser's right. career has been resurgent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you root for him, you see him crying yeah. and, you know, he appreciates it because he did just get bounced for a number yeah. of years. They didn't have any use for him. Right. And I, I do like that whole story. But you're right. The movie, it's one room. It's it's just not it's not a it's not a fun hang. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. I mean, and it could have been my mood or something, but I was like waiting to watch it for the right moment for like. A month and then finally got sat down and watched it and it was just kind of like no yeah. i'll wait till somebody picks it and then i get to watch it with purpose because it's much more interesting doing this whole podcast and actually just watching it with a more critical eye not just absorbing but you know trying to catch catch little things and and more research. Nobody does as much research as this guy. How many times did tell, you watch man, this I movie? Well, we had a quick turnaround on this one, so I only got to watch it like twice, and, okay. and then <laughs> watch and then watch some stuff on YouTube sure, and so sure. on. But 
uh it was it was pretty deep man i mean getting into all the voodoo and all that like are you do you ever experiment with voodoo or anything no <laughs> not at all no i mean uh maybe that's a surprise but no I, you know i i'm more of a realist i don't really believe in a lot of the hocus pocus kind of stuff in real life you know i think it's fun yeah. you know but i'm like that about religion and most everything just kind of you know uh Sure, I'd love to see the devil and God and believe in voodoo and all that stuff. But did you sell your soul for all this rock and roll stardom you have? Yeah, maybe I did, and I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm about We're to just let it play out. Yeah, let it play out. But um, no, I'm I, you know, I I voodoo, play around with voodoo or this or that. Um, um, and religions, I believe in everybody's right to ha believe in what they want. So, but it's just my, you know, I'm, I, I guess you would call that a little bit more agnostic or something about things. But the occult is fascinating that all that oh, New Orleans is. voodoo well, the and chicken the, thing too. Yeah. I was I like, love it though. Yeah, he's, I, he's afraid of chickens. He's yeah. always running away from <laughs> Why is like chickens. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to figure that out. Yeah. And there is one theory online that he it's because, you know, they're always getting slaughtered in the movie whether it's the sacrifices at the voodoo priestesses and that crew, or it's the cockfighting that the event where there's the white people are hang, betting on the cockfighting chickens are just victims. They're always getting killed. They're slaughtered all the time. So I don't know if it's something about that, that he feels like they're just victims. So I don't need, you know, I need to stay away from these things. I don't know what it is, but. Or just because Johnny favorite, there was a bit of voodoo going on in his situation. So yeah, that would make more sense, I guess. Harold Angel just doesn't like that stuff, and he doesn't know why he doesn't he like doesn't it. Doesn't know why, but it's because but he, of the other soul inside yeah, exactly, of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably more of what it is. And it's an angel versus the devil, right? Yeah. Mickey Rourke versus Robert De Niro. Yeah, they did not like each other. Yeah, no? right. Uh, then they didn't get along. Or no, something. they did not speak. I still haven't spoken. In fact, Mickey Rourke a few years ago still has negative things to say about uh -huh. him. Like he, uh, I guess, you know, he idolized Mickey looked up to him coming into the production and Robert, you know, Robert's a method actor. I mean, we know this and Robert doesn't want to talk to him off the set. Cause he's like, we have to be adversaries on film. I don't want to talk to you off camera. Mickey's, you know, Mickey's a tough guy. He was a boxer growing up yeah. and he's just like, why are you fronting on me? Yeah. And Robert's, you know, method guys, it's nothing personal with him, but Mickey's not going to take it that way. And it, it caused problems. <laughs> well, De Niro wasn't on the set a lot, right? I mean, he's it's almost a ton like a of cameo. scenes. Yeah. How about the wrestler? I fucking love the love wrestler, the, dude. That was a good movie. Oh my god, yeah. it was, and so it was good. good that he, he that talk about comebacks. Oh know? yeah. When he goes up and gets, so he didn't win the Oscar for that. He lost to Sean Penn and Milk, oh. which I don't have a problem with because it's a great performance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But. Man, he won. He did win the Golden Globe. Yeah. And when he went went up to get the Golden Globe, Mickey Rourke, he I remember him thanking his Chihuahua, <laughs> and he said, "For all those years in the '90s when no one wanted me, my Chihuahua was the only person thing that was there for me through all of that." Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, and plus his performance in the wrestler is just unreal. For I sure. Mean, having grown up on wrestling and seeing the toll it takes on those guys. What's the girl's name, Lisa? Uh, um... Or 
Marissa Tomei in that Marissa one? Tomei, oh, thank she's you. so good. Oh, yeah, and hot as heck. But it's that movie's just heartbreaking. I mean, you know, yeah. once again, it has an ending that you know, so some people is a little sad because mm-hmm. he's climbing up on the turnbuckle to jump he's, up he's on gonna, the sheet. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. Uh, he's having a heart attack, and he just, you know, it's just beautiful. He's, he's going to die, and he knows he's going to die. And that's how the movie ends. And the crowd is because it's the juice. Yeah. It's the crowd is cheering him on yeah, as he's having yeah. a heart attack. It's just gorgeous because he so knows. he picks that over. He'd like, rather die like that. Than and, be with her or, yeah, be, or try and. and it, yeah. It's both heartbreaking. And yet I think it's just a, it's like Pan's Labyrinth. It's just this heartbreaking ending, but also just so beautiful. Yeah. It's also like, too, it's like he knows that that's his bread and butter and the yeah. way he can make money. Yeah. So and that feeling like you're talking about where if he, the other road is he's going to he's already done all the damage to his body. Yeah. So he's I think he just goes, well, you know, I get to die with people cheering my name yeah. for me. What a way to go out. And, yeah. you know, I don't see it as so sad as so many other people do. And I could bring up that movie and they're like, oh, that ending is so sad. And yeah. I'm like, no, no, I think it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. And not not as like this ending. Good Lord, Angel Heart. This ending is <laughs> him. Des- it's descending in an elevator to hell. Yeah, <laughs> right. It goes and goes and goes. Harry. Let's talk you about try. Robert De Niro for a minute. Yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what slightly a- campy, very creepy. Alan Parker said he stayed away from him on the set on some of the shoots because <sighs> he was so creeped out by him. And he had long hair. Yeah. Uh- those long fingernails. Those nails. And the long fingernails oh, peeling so the egg. <laughs> so he could eat another soul. Exactly. You know, he's given that whole thing about how eggs are souls. And then he looks straight at him and chomps it. Yeah. And it's almost like he's telling him, you know, almost like he knows that he's Johnny Favorite and he's just yeah. toying with him. I mean. At that point, I mean, isn't that, I mean, he's the devil. He knows very like, well. Even your name's a dime store joke. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman in black. Now, it. So, yeah, okay. Let's get into that. I did read a theory that Lewis Cipher is a representative of the devil and that the, we don't see the devil in its form, that it's actually that woman in red or black. I'm sorry. Well, but when she turns around at one point, you do it, see De Niro's face yes. on the balcony. So, yeah. yeah. But that's later on in the movie. You so, see that character a number of times before then. And there's twice that I think that Mickey Rourke walks up and tries to touch her. Yes. And right before then, something happens. Something. He wakes up from a dream or whatever. Yeah, pulls away. But there is a theory that that's the devil. Well, it is. It's it's Robert. It's the... But that's the resolution. You see him. Yeah, he was you there. You see his face at the cause... end. You're like, oh, it's him the whole time. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's my assumption. Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. Without the narration explaining it to me. So <laughs> that's a different movie. <laughs> I mean, she's what cleaning up blood at one point. Yeah, from a suicide that took place or whatever. Um, and and she was probably there during the uh, actual killing and eating of the heart, right? Yeah. So I think that's just saying like, oh, all along I've been here. Yeah. And you, I lost track, you know, or or something like well, that. Well, the deal I, was made. Yeah, yeah that would yeah. make sense. You yeah. know, the deal was made before then to sell your soul for this fame and yada yada. And you know, they're trying to get around him by putting two souls into his body. But that's like the devil saying, "I I can see your trickery. I'm showing up. I'm yeah. in this form." And but it took him a long time to find him. So he that's lost the, him. Yeah. yeah so what, that's a little gray area. Like why? Yeah. Why what, did you lose him? What happened during that the, time? You know, how you long has me? it been? Angels at the top of the in the phone book. Right. Like, well, that's what he says. Yeah. yeah. He gets calls about that. Yeah. Uh, 
what ifs? Dustin Hoffman was mentioned as being that character. Uh, so originally De Niro was approached to be that character, the Johnny Angel character. Right. And when he read the script, he was more like, no, nah, I'd rather play Lewis Cipher. So I, I get that. Devil's more fun. Um, but they had mentioned Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson yeah. also possibly. Oh, interesting. Nicholson might have been good. Yeah, Nicholson could have been better, definitely. Than, yeah. I mean. I, just, but, I do love that era of Mickey Rourke, you know? I thank God it's Mickey Rourke. Yeah. You, you know? needed that guy from a Diner, Rumblefish guy. We needed that. You needed that fresh face that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, how long after Rumblefish was that? This was about four years later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What other movies did Mickey Rourke do around that time? Do you know? Do you have that he in your notes? He come off nine and a half weeks okay. right before that, oh. which is another sex you know, right. film known for its notorious sex scene with Kim Basinger. Um, so he was turning into that guy, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Sex symbol. Oh, Popa Greenwich Village had been a few years earlier, yep. too. Okay. Good one. Him and Eric Roberts, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's the right guy for that part. I think they did good on that. For sure. Uh, I'm pleased with that. <laughs> distinct lack of other stars, though. There's not a lot of other recognizable faces. What was his character in Iron Man? Whiplash? Whiplash. Yeah. Iron Mickey Man 2. Rourke was yeah, in he, Iron Man? He's in the second in Iron the second Man. the second one, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He plays like the nemesis. He's like okay. the only good thing about it. <laughs> no, well, the third one's pretty bad, too. The third one's actually worse. But Ben Kingsley's in it, which is a plus, but... His role is hilarious yeah. <laughs> in that movie. But hey, thanks for getting me to watch this movie and getting me to see the wild or orgasmic scenes that were <laughs> just displayed on my big screen. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it with my wife in a way. Um, but I mean, actually, you know, like those parts are important and, yeah. and, and fun or yeah. I don't know if fun's the right word, but uh, <laughs> really what we should get across to people here. So they go watch this movie. If they haven't seen it, is that it's a great mystery movie. Like yeah. it's a really a good detective mystery mo movie. Um, and those are, are just kind of elements to the whole thing, but yeah, the, yeah. the whole movie and screenplay is written really well. Um, it's, performed really well the yeah everything about it's so good and I, I, I really don't think like if people that are don't like blood and guts i don't think it's like that far that you're gonna like not after these saw movies exactly. and all this it's other stuff like that we've one now of those, seen over it's not the like years, some but... horror blood movie yeah. full-on yeah. it's it's more it, it's it's you know it'll freak some people out yeah, but yeah. not really that much i think it's more more of if you like suspense mystery Gotta see it. Characters are great. Yeah. I mean, if you can't figure out Lewis Cipher right away at the beginning, <laughs> being Lucifer. Uh, that's well, and hilarious. I like the authenticity of it because they, you know, it takes place in the mid 50s. And a lot of the clothes and cars and stuff are like from the 40s and 30s because it's in these more impoverished areas yeah. in New Orleans and, and Harlem and these areas. And so that, that lends a look to it that it wouldn't look like brand new, you know, 1950s yeah. stuff and everything. It would look a little run down. And, and I like, like that they caught that. And then also, I think that they right away tell you, like, make it obvious Lewis Cipher is Lucifer. Yeah. You know, they don't hide that fact. They don't try and that's not the mystery. The mystery yeah. is not who he is. Right. The, that, you know. Yeah. You're trying to figure out who Johnny Favorite is. Yeah. The, the mystery a is a whole other thing. Like, yeah. you know, the, so the, I like that they put like, okay, here's this devil figure right, at the, right early on. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's pretty good if you've never seen it. Definitely got to see it. Definitely. Thank you for getting me to watch it. 1987. Mm -hmm. uh, it's based on a novel called Falling Angel. Yes. I've never read the book. 
I haven't either. Yeah. But the movie is, is definitely worth watching and um, great characters, great actors. And it's got a lot of chickens. <laughs> a lot of chickens. <laughs> a lot of voodoo. Paul Jenkins, um, besides the, the reunited Three Mile Pilot shows, what's going on for the rest of the year for you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, 2023 was a doozy for a lot of people. It was a wild year. I'm just kind of keeping my head down and trying to to plug away and enjoy the good times with friends and people around. But, um, you know, I own a little shop here in town called yeah. Soet. You know yep. that. Um so I there I sell vinyl turntables and then I got really into collecting knives. So um, I sell knives there, but I also designed my own knife in 2023 and released it. Um, and it did really well. It got nominated this year for uh, 2023 uh, best new Bali song, Grail Bali song. It's a it's a knife that costs nine hundred seventy five dollars. So do you go to like Blade, like these conventions? Yeah, and I stuff? go to like Blade Show and yeah. all that stuff. And a lot of people don't understand it, but it's really tied into music and skateboarding. And um, it because the Bali Sun community is trick based stuff and there's competitions. Mm -hmm. um, I originally got into knives just based on collecting and deployment methods, opening mechanisms, the craft of making them. Um, but then as I progressed throughout that community, I got into Butterfly Knives, Bali Songs, and realized there was a whole community dedicated to that knife type of knife alone. Mm -hmm. And that there's there's this whole community that's actually rather large and growing all the time. Like now in the U.S., there, if you search around on the Internet, you find them and there's kids. Like I sell ones that are $45 uh, all the time to younger kids because they're more plastic. And they learn the tricks on them. And there are, there's hundreds of tricks. So if you think of skateboarding where as an element of danger mixed with tricks, that's where that, that fascination comes in. Because it's a really, like, if you think of kendama, where it's that wooden thing where the ball lands on the, the wooden puck, um, or yo-yos, or any flow art, or any sort of sport like skateboarding, rollerblading, or whatever, um, it's really tied into to that kind of mentality. And it's a very young thing. Like, I also sponsor young flippers, and most of my, the flippers I sponsor are, you know, early 20s, stuff like that. I sponsor a transgender girl that's a really good flipper, um, stuff like that. So it's really a young community of people that are, are just, we've all become friends based on our appreciation for the, the hobby. And so this year, 2023, or last year, 2023, I released my first Bali song design. I did 50 of them and uh, sold out of them. Um, and they, you know, they're in the thousand dollar range. So it's a pretty big feat to like have that kind of going on. And so now I have, um, I'm making 80 more of them um, I have the parts for them. So I, I don't do the machining myself. I designed it in Fusion 360. I send oh. those files off to people and then they machine the parts here in California and they send me all the parts. I do all the assembly work and stuff like right. that. So that's the biggest problem. And there's also with that, um, I did a download digital download soundtrack that comes with the knife. It's a 10 song story <laughs> about the knife. Um, and then I yes. hand make, I hand make all the boxes and uh -huh. the sheaths that go with it. Everything's handmade with the, I mean, well, the parts are machined, but then they're sent to me. Um, so it's, and 
the materials that they're made out of are grade five titanium and S35 VN steel, which is like a super steel. So it's really strong, durable knife for flipping. Um, but um, yeah, so and that's the technical term flipping. Flipping is like saying skating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, because yeah, it's there's it's a whole package that I do with it, and it's, it's, I had no idea. I yeah. mean, I know about the knife thing, but I didn't know that you were so embedded in the culture and the and the yeah, scene it's, it's become a real serious thing. You know, it's, it's I would have never guessed if you would have told me six years ago that I'd be selling knives in my shop. I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why aren't you making your own uh, custom saws? Uh, that would be a good idea. I've had people ask me to like paint or autograph saws, and I've done that. I'm still fascinated that Stradivarius makes a saw. Yeah. You play wow. a Stradivarius yeah. saw. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Who Does anybody else make musical saws? Is there, there are several companies that do. Yeah. I, like, I think it's like Blackwell or something like that is one. Um, I have you can't a, just go to Home Depot? No, they're not the same. Okay. No, those are not. It's, it's really about the thinness of the metal, the size to get into the different, different. You, right. you can have a soprano, a baritone. Yeah. So yeah, no, there you can make a noise on the hardware, like from a hardware store, sure, but sure. it's not going to sustain as long or sound as nice. So cool, Stradivarius. Yeah. And then the teeth on a normal <laughs> right. saw are sharpened. <laughs> a little bit of a problem. <laughs> where these are have teeth, but okay. they're they're not like sideways sharpened. But I have had the saw during a show fall to the side and then hit me in the forehead, and I'll have like five little dots on my forehead. <laughs> Happened a few times just when you let go of it at the wrong time. Uh, you know, we've lost a lot of people here at the Casbah and, and some people really close to you. But one maybe we haven't spoken about on the podcast kind of as a final note, um, wanted to shout out Matt Hoyt yeah. and your friendship and, and maybe what Matt Hoyt meant to you. Oh, man. Matt Hoyt uh, is one of my best friends. Um, really, really close friend of mine. He helped produce the whole DVD we did for Black Art Procession. So he was really into filming videos and film. He did his talk, talk show. He did yep. all, I mean, and it's so funny because you look back at his history of videos of him as a kid, he was filming, had a camera in his hand since he was a kid. He was making movies since he was a kid. Nice. So, you know, and then he evolved into getting into music and being in Turkey Mall and different bands. I remember when I first met Matt, I was like, who is this nerdy <laughs> guy? But then he was such a lovely character you realize that was all based on his passion and his love and it, it didn't take but a second for me to come fast friends with him and uh um but yeah he did soul kitchen and he had us play a couple shows there through my pilot played there i think with unwound back in the day um but yeah and then he did the starlight and just you know yeah matt matt's amazing you know matt matt is uh, a huge loss but uh the green so screen show good. was just yeah. beyond ridiculous talk talk <laughs> i keep talk. trying to like convince the other people that were involved in that to bring it back and have one of them be the host because matt would love for it to keep yeah. going you know but I'm, I'm still crossing my fingers that maybe that'll happen because it was such a great fun i think and i've said that a lot in the last few years since we've had so many kind of weird deaths going on um, the best thing in life I honestly feel is pure laughter. The laughter where you're crying, where you just uncontrollable laughter. 
that is the meaning of life. That is the most, True. to me, the most important thing because I can't force myself to laugh. And when I'm laughing like that because something is so fucking funny, <laughs> I mean, that that feeling of just like thinking something is so funny and laughing your ass off is just the greatest feeling. And to share that with your friends and people around you, I think is, is, is a really honest, true feeling to have, you know? So, um, and it's certainly better than being depressed as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, shout out to Matt Hoyt and thank you, Paul Jenkins. Looking forward to uh, more great stuff coming in the future from you. Thank you, man. This was super fun. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. It got me to, I'm going to have to go watch a bunch of movies, it seems like. <laughs> right? <laughs> and start listening to your podcast, because I didn't do. even know it was happening until you told me the other day. <laughs> Demaze yeah. has done it. Okay. Uh, Elvez did it. I guess yep. I need a link. <laughs> <laughs> Just go Sorry to, Sp to be... you use Spotify? Uh, no, but my it? wife keeps telling me she has a free membership. I just don't do a lot of those things, but I do listen to podcasts. But generally what I do is go to YouTube and search shit. And then we'll be um, on, we'll be on there <laughs> before and, the end of the spring. probably. And then I've been listening to um, tour stories, Joe Meeks or Joe Meeks, <laughs> uh, uh, Joe Plummer's. Have you seen, heard that? Uh -uh. He interviews different bands that go on tour and they talk about different projects oh, and tours nice. and stories from tours. Sounds good. And tour stories? Like, I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to, this as this grows, um, the idea is, you know, to get some of these touring bands uh, yeah. to, to come do this in between sound check. You should That's talk to Joe Plummer. You know Joe Plummer. Yeah. 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 Um, you should talk to him because he does his podcast. I'm sure he'd love to come on and do one and... You know, he would be, Didn't you I mean, and Joe do a project together? Joe was the drummer of Blackheart for many years. Yeah. Then he's now in Cold War Kids. He was in yeah. the Shins. He was in Modest Mouse. I Wasn't mean, there if you want somebody though? that's famous in the music world to do it, he would probably do it. Was there something newer you did with Joe? Oh, the built-in sun, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I love that. Paul Jenkins, everybody, go buy knives. What's the address or website for? Uh, Shopsoet.com is our website. S-O-E-T? S-O-S-H-O-P. And then S-O-E-T, Shop Soet. Soet is the name of the, of the shop. We're on 4th Avenue, 3776 4th Avenue in Hillcrest. Um, you can also check out my Instagram, which is damn right I got knives, or <laughs> on Instagram, or D-R-I-G-K underscore. Um, also, Acid Works is the name of my knife company, which is Acid, A-C-I-D-W-R-X. And that's if you want to see my actual knife design. Definitely go visit the shop. Are they, uh, is it still a lodging? Yeah, we, we also run a, a 24 room boutique hotel there. So we're in the lobby there. We do all the check-in and management for the whole hotel. And people have the funkiest check-in that you can ever imagine because they're in a knife record shop. Because <laughs> so, it's first our knife shop. It's these are not like, it's not like uh, where you'd go into American Apparel and there would be a vinyl section and it was all sure. shitty vinyl, you know. This is like first a record shop. So you're seeing like legitimate records and turntables and I do repairs, needles and cartridges. And then I do all the woodwork in my shop, not in the hotel. The hotel part is different architects and designers. Um, but uh, yeah, it's filled with all of our passions. There's an upstairs clothing den, so there's vintage clothing, um, and then all the other stuff that we mentioned. Super cool. Yeah. Graham, ready to go? Auto forever. Auto forever. Auto, yes. Thanks for listening to Soundcheck Flicks. That's Paul Jenkins. Have a great week. Hey, SCF fans. Next week, we travel down to the Texas-Mexico border with Tommy Lee Jones for the three burials of Melquiades Estrada. Tune in next week to see who our first touring guest is.